everyone understands exactly what has happened here on the Senate floor. The Republican Party has now become the party of default. Yeah. Also, havoc, chaos, hypocrisy, lies. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Authoritarianism. I got the feeling that something right. Stolen elections. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. But yeah, also the party and of default. I'm I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Hey, here I am. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., uh, in Red Bluff in Redding, California, on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE, up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdon Square Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow. Says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today for another thrilling edition of the Bradcast. Great to have you here with us. Uh, Well, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi did tell the members of her caucus over the weekend that this week would be they would be entering a, quote, time of intensity. That's an understatement. Boy, howdy was it. Uh, She was absolutely right, though. Uh, So please make sure that your seatbacks are upright and tray tables are in the locked (laughs) position and keep your seatbelts on throughout this period of intense congressional negotiation and deadlock and partisan wrangling and threats and desperation and sabotage uh, and other sausage making activities that hopefully <clears throat> hopefully produces several happy outcomes for Americans who by huge numbers by the way back the Biden build back better agenda even as a handful of so-called moderate democrats try to block it and the entire republican party attempts to blow up the entire country But whether we see those uh, very happy, arguably transformative outcomes on par with LBJ's Great Society and FDR's New Deal, which we could, that remains to be seen in the coming days and this time of intensity in D.C. will continue for a bit, I'm afraid. On Capitol Hill on Tuesday, according to TPM's Kate Riga, grumpiness abounds. No, she was not writing about Desi Doyen. She, <laughs> she could have been. She could have been, but no, <clears throat> she was writing. I, I, she, she writes, I can exclusively report that Senate Democrats are in a bad mood today. Senator Joe Manchin, 
Democrat from West Virginia, who seemingly crafts every political move based on whether it'll make him the center of attention, was downright icy with reporters and refused to answer any of our questions. Well, frankly, Joe Manchin's bad mood could be good news for just about everyone else in America. Perhaps he is feeling some pressure to, you know, join the vast majority of Democrats and Americans who actually support the whole of Biden's Build Back Better agenda that Joe Biden ran on, that voters approved of, and that all Democrats agreed to just a few weeks ago when they voted both in favor of the small bipartisan $1.5 trillion infrastructure bill that Manchin was key to getting hammered out with Republicans, and uh, for the $3.5 trillion Build Back Better reconciliation budget plan that includes a generational expansion of health care and education and child care and, yes, long overdue climate initiatives. Elsewhere, writes Riga today, Democrats are grouchy, terse and tired. A few with varying levels of politeness snapped at reporters that they wouldn't divulge internal party negotiations. So a time of intensity, indeed. We'll try to get you all caught up-ish on where things stand at this hour, and the intensity continues on Capitol Hill. And frankly, i got to say, I, I, I really don't remember anything like this. As, yes, it does seem unusual. I, I mean, we've seen intensity in the final hours of, you know, negotiation, passage of, of you know, major legislation like Obamacare. Oh, but yeah. I have never seen a, a confluence of so many huge things all happening all at once legislatively. The small infrastructure bill and the Build Back Better bill that Democrats had all agreed to, at least previously, they all had, they all had agreed that they'd be passed at the same time so that progressives and moderate Democrats could all get at least a little bit of what they want. And with that huge generational transformative legislative fight going on at the same time, a continuing resolution needs to be passed by lawmakers in order to keep the U.S. government itself open after midnight this Thursday, September 30. And most worrying, at least for me at the moment, the possibility that the government itself could run out of borrowing power altogether to pay off its bills for stuff that has already been spent. Because Mitch McConnell, as I saw one journalist describe it, decided to show up in the middle of all of this with a stick of dynamite with a lit fuse, <laughs> basically threatening to throw uh, to blow up everything by filibustering measures to keep the government operating and uh, separately pushing the U.S. government over a cliff where it defaults on its credit for the first time in U.S. history and also that Republicans can get, well... There's nothing that they're actually demanding other than Democrats figure out how to do everything on their own, even while Republicans are using the filibuster to stop them from doing so. In other words, Republicans are now simply attempting to blow things up, including the entire global economy, just because they can, just because they have no actual governing agenda and, and they hope that you don't notice 
And to make that happen, they are hoping to cause as much chaos and havoc as possible. And then, you know, maybe Americans won't notice who is to blame for all that chaos and havoc. But we are noticing and we will keep reporting as much because that is all that this is about. This is all at least about what the Republicans are currently doing. Meanwhile, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki acknowledged that what Democrats are trying to do with, uh, you know, congressional Democrats trying to pass the very progressive and very transformative Biden agenda, even separately from Mitch McConnell and the Republicans trying to blow up the government itself and the global economy with it, that just the Biden agenda itself is, in fact, very, very hard, but that the president remains committed to making it happen. The president is very committed to this agenda. He laid it out back in the spring. He thinks that it's far past time to rebuild our roads, rails, and bridges. He thinks it is far past time to ensure we are doing what's needed to address the climate crisis. He thinks it's far past time to lower costs for working families, whether it's childcare, the cost of college, elder care, that are impacting uh, millions of families across the country. Uh, that's what the stakes are. The stakes are for the American people. That's what he's focused on. We are, of course, going to continue to work with Democratic leadership, and our objective is to win both of these votes and get this agenda move forward. What we're trying to do is hard. The president knows that. Uh, nothing is guaranteed. Uh, and he's an optimist by nature, but he's going to work this afternoon, tonight, tomorrow, to do everything he can to engage with Democrats, with people with a range of positions to get this agenda forward. He is not naive about the challenge here and how challenging this is to get these two big pieces and historic pieces of legislation across the finish line. So yes, the conversations are not just about him silently listening. I can assure you all of that. Um, he is not a wallflower. He is engaging in conversations. He's having discussions with leaders. He's looking to chart a unifying path forward. And there's a give and take and a back and forth in those conversations, absolutely. He's working to help unify the caucus to get to a, a conclusive outcome here. Yep. A time of intensity, indeed. Two key Democratic senators were scheduled to meet Tuesday with President Joe Biden at the White House as the party works to narrow to narrow his $3.5 trillion legislative package as momentum builds to close the deal with so-called centrists and progressive lawmakers, according to AP this afternoon. Senators Joe Manchin of West Virginia and Senator Kirsten Sinema of Arizona are linchpins for the final package. Two lawmakers who AP keeps referring to here as centrists rather than corporatists or corruptionists or obstructionists. I don't know. But two lawmakers who have balked at the price tag and are now under pressure to show Biden what amount they could actually live with. Biden was to meet separately with Manchin and Cinema as he works to come up with a final number, as Manchin does, according to a person familiar with the meetings and granted anonymity to discuss them. Uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi told reporters on Tuesday at the Capitol, quote, in the next day or so, we hope to come to a place where we can all move forward on that. She said that she had yet to hear a new top-line figure from either Manchin or Cinema, but indicated that she expects talks to move to start moving swiftly toward a conclusion that would enable passage of Biden's Build Back Better package, as well as the smaller companion public works bill put together by Manchin and Cinema, along with Republicans 
in the Senate. Pelosi said, we have to see what comes of the negotiations that are going on and if they are worthy of the commitments we have made, we will pass both bills, she said. The -the behind-the-scenes talks come as Republican senators blocked a bill on Monday to keep the government operating and allow federal borrowing, AP notes. Democrats aiming to avert a shutdown pledged to try again with another bill at the same time pressing ahead on Biden's big plans to reshape the government. The efforts are not necessarily linked, but the fiscal year-end deadline to fund the government past Thursday is now bumping up against the Democrats' desire to make progress on Biden's expansive social spending and climate legislation. It's all making for a tumultuous moment for Biden and his party, AP reports, with consequences certain to shape his presidency and the lawmakers' political uh, futures. And on that, AP is absolutely right on point. The Democrats have a lot invested here. They need to make this happen if they want to have any hope of hanging on to, frankly, either of the two chambers of Congress next November. I should say a year from November. So there's time. Uh, <laughs> Biden uh, Biden told reporters on Monday, quote, you know me, I'm a born optimist. As he rolled up his sleeve for a COVID-19 booster shot, we're going to get it done, said Biden. Well, we will see, Joe. I hope you're right. Monday's vote against taking up the bill. This is the bill to keep the government funded past Thursday and lift the lift or suspend the debt limit. So to avoid first time U.S. government default. Well, that fell well short of the 60 votes needed to defeat a GOP filibuster, hoping and and succeeding at, you know, wreaking chaos amid all of this. That's what the Republicans are doing. Right. Because chaos benefits Republicans politically, they believe, even if it hurts American families. They don't care. They they don't don't care. With days to go, Democrats said they're going to try again before the deadline on Thursday to pass a bill funding government operations past September 30. That's the fiscal year end uh, and that they will strip out the debate over the debt limit for another day closer to the separate October deadline. When the debt limit runs out, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen told Congress in a letter on Tuesday that October 18th, So mark your calendars. It's a Monday. (laughs) Just under three weeks from now, October 18 is the end date when the Treasury Department will likely exhaust all of its current so-called extraordinary measures that are being taken to avoid a default on the government's loan obligations. Again, stuff we already bought. Now we have to pay for it. Secretary Yellen urged Congress to, quote, protect the full faith and credit of the United States by acting as soon as possible to either raise the debt limit or suspend it to avoid a self-inflicted, completely unnecessary global financial calamity. It is imperative that Congress address the debt limit. If not, our current estimate is the Treasury will likely exhaust its extraordinary measures by October 18th. At that point, we expect Treasury would be left with very limited resources that would be depleted quickly. And again, just to be clear, because there's a lot of people who want you to not understand this, 
This is for stuff that has already been uh, paid for or has already been uh, allocated by Congress, including the $8 trillion of debt that was added to the national debt during the Trump administration with the with the approval of every goddamn Republican that is sitting in the House and Senate right now voting against paying for what they approved over the past four years. Right. Republicans voted to put the money on the credit card for the GOP tax cuts, and now they are trying to vote against paying the actual bill for it. They're filibustering paying the bills. While the nation has never defaulted on its debts, Yellen said that waiting until the last minute to take action would not be wise in a budget standoff between Republicans and the Obama administration, similar to this one back in 2011, the credit rating agency Standard & Poor's downgraded a portion of Treasury's sterling AAA credit rating for the first time in history, citing the uncertainty caused by that standoff that was eventually solved, but Republicans did the exact same thing. When there is a Democrat in the White House, unlike when there was a Republican in the White House over the past four years, and they all, all the Republicans, voted without a problem to raise the debt limit three times during that administration. Yellen explains in her letter today, quote, we know from previous debt limit impasses that waiting until the last minute can cause serious harm to business and consumer confidence, raising borrowing costs for taxpayers and negatively impacting the credit rating of the U.S. for years to come. Failure, she wrote, to act promptly could also result in substantial disruptions to financial markets, as heightened uncertainty can exacerbate volatility and erode investor confidence. That was in her uh, Janet Yellen, Treasury Secretary's letter to Congress. And as if right on schedule, today, the stock market plunged. The Dow tumbled almost 600 points at market close. The S&P 500 fell 2%. That's its worst drop since May. Of course, substantial uh, disruptions to financial markets, exacerbated volatility, eroded investor confidence. That is exactly that's exactly what Republicans would like, because destruction of uh, the American and even the global economy. They obviously believe, correctly or otherwise, that that will somehow redound to their benefit come midterm election time next year. Whether they're right on that gambit that remains to be seen but obviously chaos is their is is their planning and now their only governing agenda unless you include efforts to steal elections themselves if that first plan doesn't work meanwhile the real the adult the governing action is unfolding behind the scenes over the three and a half trillion dollar budget reconciliation measure with biden and the democrats in congress uh, which again is almost the entirety of the democratic caucus in congress so biden and his democratic allies are seeking a once in a generation reworking of the nation's spending and revenue priorities from pre-kindergarten and community college to child care subsidies for families with small children to dental, vision and hearing aid coverage for the first time for seniors under Medicare. Continued expansion of vastly lowered premiums on the Obamacare exchanges. 
paid parental leave and a huge transition to a clean, renewable electric grid. There's a whole lot in the president's proposal, and according to Democrats, all of it is paid for. Paid for with higher taxes on corporations and the rich. No, it will not add to the current debt, at least Democrats claim. Though it should be noted here that if it did, even if it did add to the current debt, it wouldn't actually matter. The increase in economic activity would more than pay for these programs, which, while it sounds like a lot at $3.5 trillion, that's actually a price tag that is spent over the next 10 years. So in truth, we're now talking about $350 billion a year, and that would be covered by increased taxes on the rich, who have had their taxes radically lowered over the past several years, not to mention over the past several decades, as working-class Americans continue to struggle to pay theirs. So, no, despite mouth noises coming from the uh, from two Senate Democrats, that would be Manchin and Cinema, that $3.5 trillion, oh, it's just such a huge number. Actually, it isn't that huge, and it's paid for. Nonetheless, Democrats are being forced to trim their sales at this point, even after they had already negotiated down, by the way, from $6 trillion. That's what they wanted originally. They negotiated down from $6 trillion to $3.5 trillion to placate those very same obstructionist Democratic senators. As the overall price tag comes down, Pelosi said that the House Democrats would move ahead on a bill would I'm sorry, would not move ahead on a bill until it is acceptable to their colleagues in the Senate. They are negotiating along with the Senate at the same time. So this can all be passed at once and doesn't have to go back and forth between you know, committees right, to, because, to bargain it out. Because delaying tactics also help the Republicans create chaos. Pelosi said that uh, we are not there yet uh, as of today, but building on the separate, smaller, bipartisan infrastructure, roads and bridges package that's already cleared the Senate and is headed for a House vote on Thursday. The total price tag for the larger package, said Biden, is actually, quote, zero because it's covered by the expected increase in tax revenue. Nonetheless, the bill is just too big for Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, and a small and, by the way, decreasing in size number of Democrats in the House. A very small handful whose votes are needed uh, in the face of total GOP opposition to all of this, to the larger reconciliation package that can be passed as long as all 50 Democrats in the Senate vote in favor of it and no more than three Democrats defect in the U.S. House. Senator Manchin has previously uh, proposed spending of, oh, one trillion to one point five trillion. But the number that he would be happy with, uh, he actually refuses to go on record with for some reason. That is what Joe, Man uh, Joe Biden is supposedly pushing Joe Manchin to give him during their White House meeting on Tuesday. Tell me the number, Joe. Once they know what that number is, then Democrats can craft a bill to try and appease Joe Manchin. And I should note, 
that it does not necessarily mean cutting planned programs from the bill in order to appease Manchin. It just means decreasing the number of years in the package. Right now, budget reconciliation packages, they're allowed to pass with a simple majority. They can't be filibustered. That's according to the rules in the uh, in the upper chamber. But in exchange, a- anything passed under budget reconciliation actually sunsets after 10 years. So everything is pegged in this bill to spending out over a decade right now. Democrats can decrease the years for these programs and radically lower the expected cost of the package out over 10 years and then, you know, leave it to Congress and say five years instead to tell every parent in America who has small children that they will no longer be getting those monthly tax credit payment checks or that their health care premiums are going to skyrocket because Congress has decided not to extend the subsidies for tens of millions of Americans. Good luck with that, whoever is controlling Congress in five years. So don't freak out necessarily if and when Democrats lower that $3.5 trillion package to some other number in order to get passage on this thing, if that's what it comes to. It doesn't necessarily mean that they are cutting actual programs. But Joe Manchin, who appears to oppose stuff like the Clean Electricity Performance Plan that will transform our electric grid and and, and our power generation. And save lives from air pollution. There's that. And money. By moving to clean, renewable energy. He appears to oppose that in no small part because, well, he comes from West Virginia, coal country, but also because his family makes millions of dollars each year on dirty coal-based power generation. He doesn't actually want a smaller number by cutting off years. He wants to gut things entirely like the Clean Electricity Performance Plan. So if he gives a hard number, which he has yet to do, and Democrats meet that number, but they keep those things in place that Manchin wants to sabotage, well, then he'll have to admit that it was never actually about the price tag being too high. It was about him wanting to kill certain portions of the bill. So keep your eyes on that and how that plays out. And that is one of the reasons why Joe Manchin has been so dodgy about not giving an actual number, because if he does, then they'll meet that number and then what, Joe? Right. And and by the way, the Build Back Better agenda, the bill is wildly popular in West Virginia. Meanwhile, progressive lawmakers say they've already compromised more than enough with the more centrist Democrats. But in one potential development, Congresswoman Pramila, Pramila Jayapal the uh, uh, chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, she confirmed that she and Cinema have been in talks. Hmm. That's good news. We'll see what, if anything, pans out from that. Jayapal is, uh, frankly, doing a hell of a good job representing the Progressive Caucus, as there's been a a very interesting change that I have noted in the uh, power balance inside the Democratic Caucus in Congress over the past year or so, with progressives finally taking more power for themselves and so-called moderates now on the outs for a happy change and for the first time, frankly, that I can recall in my own lifetime. They used to ignore the Progressive Caucus. So for those progressives out there who are still bashing 
Democrats, not just a couple of Democrats, but no Democrats, the Democrats can't do this, can't do that in sort of a knee jerk fashion. Well, wake up, progressives. You won. You won this battle. Start acting like it and stop undermining the party that is actually trying to accomplish your progressive objectives. I know you're not used to it. I know it may well go against your business model right now for some of you, but you are winning. You can stop attacking the people who are trying to get what it is that you are asking for, even if you don't get everything that you might want immediately. For the record, Biden's proposal is to be paid for by increasing the corporate tax rate from 21 percent to 26 and a half percent on businesses earning more than five million dollars a year and on raising the top rate on individuals from 37 percent to 39.6 percent for those earning more than four hundred thousand dollars a year or $450,000 a year for couples. So it doesn't even restore the tax rates to what they were before the Trump GOP tax cut of 2017. And please feel free to criticize the Democrats for that. But to say that this costs too much money, that it's going to raise taxes too high when it doesn't even undo the Trump tax cut, please. And it will still... Even without doing that, it will still cover the costs of this bill. And unless you own a business making more than $5 million a year or you earn personally more than $400,000 a year or four hundred and fifty dollars as a couple, your taxes will not go up no matter what they tell you on Fox News. And you will do nothing but win from this proposal. By the way... So will those businesses making more than $5 million a year and those people who are making more than $400,000 a year, they will win as well because the entire U.S. economy actually improves when working people have money and jobs and can afford things like child care and education and health care. That is good for everyone. While Democrats are largely in agreement on Biden's vision, many ran their campaigns, in fact, on the long-standing party priorities. Stubborn disputes remain, including how to push toward cleaner energy with Manchin, the problem there, as mentioned, or to lower prescription drug costs with a handful of those so-called moderate Democrats in the House getting a ton of money from Big Pharma. So they are bought to oppose things like allowing Medicare to negotiate lower prices with drug companies. So what's Senator Kirsten Cinema of Arizona's problem? That is a bit less clear, though we have got some new hints of late as to what she is doing, even while all of this is going on, even amidst all of this, this time of intensity. We get this hint, courtesy of Jonathan Weissman at the uh, New York Times last night. Senator Kirsten Sinema of Arizona, the inscrutable Democrat who may hold the key to passing her party's ambitious social policy and climate bill, is scheduled to have a fundraiser on Tuesday afternoon. That's right. Right in the middle of the day, in the middle of all of this drama. A fundraiser with five business lobbying groups many of which fiercely oppose this bill. Under Cinema's political logo, the 
influential National Association of Wholesaler Distributors and the Grocers Pack, along with lobbyists for roofers and electric contractors and a small business group called the S-Corp Political Action Committee. They have invited association members to an undisclosed location on Capitol Hill on Tuesday for 45 minutes to write checks for between $1,000 and $5,800 payable to Cinema for Arizona, according to the invite. The planned event comes during a make-or-break week for Biden's agenda when House Democrats are trying to nail down the details of uh, this uh, $3.5 trillion bill for the next decade. Cinema has said she cannot support a bill that large, though she has not offered any actual public reason as to why, but has privately told Senate Democratic colleagues that she is averse to the corporate and individual tax rate increases that both the House and Senate tax writing committees have planned to help pay for the measure. You know, the tax increases that only affect the very wealthy and the corporations who are also very wealthy, like the members of those associations who are now writing checks, even as we speak, to Kirsten Cinema for Arizona on Tuesday at some undisclosed location on Capitol Hill. In both positions... She's likely to find a receptive audience at this fundraiser. Uh, for example, the S-Corp PAC uh, has told its members the rate increases in the package that passed the House Ways and Means Committee on the taxes, quote, would kneecap private companies like theirs that pay taxes through the individual tax system as opposed to the corporate tax system. That's what makes them S-Corps. Well, we would hate to kneecap those poor struggling folks who are making more than $400,000 a year. Sounds rough. You get the idea. The uh, Eric Hoplin, the uh, chief executive of the National Association of Wholesaler Distributors, said in a statement earlier this month, passing the largest tax increase in U.S. history on the backs of America's job creators. Oh, please. As they recover from a global pandemic is the last thing Washington needs to be doing right now. Remember, this, quote, largest tax increase in U.S. history will still result in taxes that are lower than they were when Donald Trump took office in 2017. Uh, a spokesman for Kirsten Cinema uh, would not comment on the fundraiser, but said the senator, quote, voted yes in August on the budget resolution that paved the way for a social policy and climate bill that can't be filibustered. He added that she was, quote, working directly in good faith on the legislation with her colleagues and the administration. Well, let's hope so. We'll see. None of her shtick is going over well with Democrats back home in Arizona as she is working directly in good faith with her colleagues. We will see, because back home, the Democrats are not happy with Kirsten Cinema. So hopefully she is noticing. I, I, I don't know how she couldn't, frankly, at this point. The Arizona State Democratic Party overwhelmingly passed a resolution on Saturday criticizing Cinema for her opposition to eliminating the filibuster to pass legislation key to the party and for her stance on the Democrats' reconciliation bill. The resolution by the Arizona State Democratic Party passed in the committee by a huge margin, 415 to 99, according to Progress Arizona. 
The measure warned Cinema that the state party will, quote, closely watch her upcoming votes, and if she does not vote for the massive Democratic budget reconciliation package, it will, quote, go officially on record and, quote, give Senator Cinema a vote of no confidence in all caps. That's serious. The Arizona State Democratic Party. They also called on Cinema to support ending the filibuster to allow the passage of voting rights legislation. They urge her to also nix the filibuster to pass other urgent legislation like the PRO Act. That's the Protecting the Right to Organize Act that unions would like to see passed. The state party resolution authorizes a possible censure of cinema if she does not meet the conditions set forth in that letter. So Arizona state Democrats mean business, and that is not the only warning for uh, Kirsten Cinema right now. Her favorability in the state among Democrats is absolutely plummeting from the high 60s earlier this year, at the beginning of this year. The high 60s, now her favorability is just 17 percent among state Democrats. Uh, That according to the latest civics tracking poll. So I don't know if she's planning to run again in 2024 or if who knows, maybe she'll decide to run as a Republican or something instead. Remember, she started her political career as a Green Party member. Then she changed to the Democratic Party. When that didn't work out, now she's behaving like a Republican, frankly. And indeed, she has a higher approval rating among among Republicans than she does among Democrats right now in her home state. So I suspect this is very much a time of intensity right now for Senator Sinema as well. And a time for choosing. So I hope she chooses wisely for the good of herself and, oh, about 300 million Americans. Let's take a quick break here because I need a breather from this intensity (laughs) and we will return with some brighter news outside of D.C. where, yes, good things, progressive things can happen. And yes, without all the drama. That's straight ahead. I'm Brad Friedman and this is your Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. See the dog and butterfly up in the air. We like to fly. You're just dog and You're just playing that to try to calm me down, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Because we're not going to be talking about dogs or butterflies in this segment. But we will sort of be talking about the environment okay, and how important it is enough. to keep things. Fair enough. Welcome nice. back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. By the way, uh, during the break here. Uh, Some breaking news from CNN. Uh, Biden cancels his Wednesday trip in order to keep leading crucial negotiations as his legislative agenda faces hurdles in Congress. 
That is either good news or bad. I'm not entirely sure, but it does suggest that this is, as we reported, a time of intensity Mm. for Democrats in Congress. And Um, I would also add for the planet, because the Build Back Better Act has Mm -hmm. really crucial climate policies in it that are going to make a a big difference for Uh, our climate And And your Green News report is coming up soon enough, Desi. (laughs) So I know you're (laughs) chomping at the bit to scare everyone, but this is supposed to be the calm segment uh, where we get out of D.C. for a moment. True. For a bit less intensity, because I know I can't take too much all at once. Uh, But if you get out of D.C., there's actually some very good and some very progressive things going on without all of the sturm and drong and drama. Uh, now, Des, you and I spend quite a bit of time, actually, even even when we're not on air, especially when we're not on air, talking about electric cars and how quick I think, at least, we are going to see the nation's fleet sort of flip over to them. Not unlike the flip that we saw from those old cathode ray televisions, uh, cathode ray tube te- TV sets. Yes, to the old high school def. boxy TVs. Yeah, to, and they flip to high def like overnight or the move from the old push-button cell phones to smartphones, both of which sort of feel like they just happened, boom, in, in the snap of a finger overnight when it became clear that they were better products that did a lot more for people. Well, I think we are right now on the precipice, on the cusp, that inflection point, as you call it, of seeing exactly that over the next year or two or certainly five when it comes to electric vehicles. Des, I know you got a story coming up in your Green News report that backs that case up overseas. But now a story from The New York Times last night helps make the case here at home as well. Ford Motor Company has significantly increased its commitment to electric cars and trucks on Monday when they announced that they would spend billions of dollars to build three battery factories and an electric truck plant in the United States. They're building plants. They're not closing them. They're not sending them to Mexico or China. They are building and creating, in the bargain, 11,000 jobs over the next four years here in the U.S. Yes, moving to electric vehicles is also a huge job creator. The company described the investment, which it said would enable it to produce more than one million electric vehicles a year in the second half of this decade as the single largest investment in production in its 118-year history as a company. All told, Ford and a South Korean supplier will spend $11.4 billion on this project. The announcement is the latest multi-billion dollar move by an automaker to to, to quickly move to electric vehicles and to phase out gas-powered cars and trucks as part of the global effort to combat climate change, says the Times. Though, to be clear... I don't suspect that Ford is doing this to combat climate change. No. At least not without being forced to do so. They are doing this on their own because they figured out that they can make a whole hell of a lot of money doing it because consumer demand is huge for it. That said, transportation, chiefly cars and trucks, is responsible for about 30 percent of U.S. greenhouse gas emissions, which is more than the power sector, which is why, as we talked uh, a couple of weeks ago with David Roberts, it's why moving the electricity grid 
to clean energy actually does double duty. It cleans up the power generation sector and the transportation sector when cars and trucks then move from gas to the hopefully clean grid. Right. It triggers a cascade of changes in other sectors that then also create jobs in those other sectors as this transition happens. But of course, for that to happen, Democrats need to pass Biden's Build Back Better Act. Uh, But the results would be a huge advancement in ending the burning of fossil fuels that have caused our climate emergency, both in the transportation sector and in the electric uh, power generation sector. That would be huge. But anyway, back to Ford. Their announcement uh, could influence negotiations in D.C. over the climate and energy agenda that Biden is trying to pass. Ford's executive chair, William C. Ford, said in an interview, quote, I think the industry is on a fast road to electrification and those who aren't are going to be left behind. I agree. Environmentalists have long criticized automakers for not responding Uh, quick uh, forcefully and and quickly enough to climate change and for selling large gas guzzling trucks and SUVs. But the industry has now made a hard pivot to electric vehicles in recent months. Established automakers like Ford and GM are racing now to catch up with Tesla, which is on track to sell more than 800,000 electric cars this year. 800,000. Hello. Tesla has now become the most valuable automaker in the world by far, with a market capitalization of nearly $800 billion. Ford's market value, by way of comparison, the 818-year-old company, is only $56 billion. So y'all starting to figure this out yet? Ford said it would build uh, two battery plants in Kentucky and one in Tennessee, all in a joint venture with its main battery supplier. That's the uh, South Korean SK Innovation Company. In addition, the company will build an assembly plant at the Tennessee location to churn out electric pickup trucks. At least some of the new jobs assembling electric trucks are likely to be unionized jobs. That would be a win for Biden as well. He's argued that the transition to electric cars and renewable energy can create millions of well-paying union jobs. Other big automakers are also pouring billions into battery and electric plants all over the country. GM, which said uh, this year it aims to end production. End production entirely of internal combustion vehicles by 2035. Too slow, GM. Yeah, I think it'll happen faster than I that. do, too. Uh, GM has said it plans to build four battery plants in the U.S. over the next few years. Ford expects electric models to make up 40% of its production by 2030, and I bet that will be actually much higher than that, to be frank. I do, too. I think they're all underestimating the interest in these things, uh, you know, once, once people see what they can actually do. Even companies that have resisted electric cars have changed their tune, notes the Times. Toyota, in a sudden shift in strategy, said that uh, this month that it plans to spend billions of dollars over the next decade to build battery factories and hoped to sell two million electric cars a year by the end of the decade. Toyota uh, would totally underestimated the market for electric cars it had yeah they tried to pivot to hydrogen and try to get everybody involved in hydrogen but hydrogen is is just not not happening 
Not, so, le- not at least for cars. No. Several other uh, automakers, uh, v- uh, Volkswagen, Mercedes-Benz, BMW, and others, they're also investing billions right now to produce electric vehicles. Mike Ramsey, uh, an analyst in this sector, says the fact that they are spending billions of dollars means they are saying there is no turning back. We're really going to do this. Yes. Last week on Green News Report, we reported that Ford is also developing a closed loop battery recycling manufacturing system that will reuse and recycle so it has zero waste in its battery production. Which I think is part of this. These plants will not only create the batteries, but they'll also recycle the batteries. Yeah. And that's a huge, huge, huge deal. They're also trying to catch up to China, which is hoping to own the the electric vehicle market worldwide so it's really important that american car makers step up at this time they are stepping up yeah that's this is, what this they're is doing. good and and finally i want to just yeah. say that no matter what happens with democrats in congress and the build back better agenda and all of that even which we're if, not supposed to be talking about at all I'm sorry, here but, but you have oh i will just say that uh, dog and even if democrats get nothing yeah. the republicans cannot stop the transition now. That's no. the good yeah. news. The transition to renewable energy, the transition to r- electric cars is now, I believe, locked in and inevitable. They can try to slow it down. Republicans can do some serious damage to it, but they cannot stop it. Well, this is all, yeah, these are all private companies, and they are not doing this because of a government mandate. They are doing it on their own because they realize they can make a hell of a lot of money in the bargain. Yes. The uh, chief executive of Ford, uh, Jim Farley, uh, said we have an enormous demand for our electric vehicles now, and this is going to help us accelerate. Ford began selling an electric SUV, the Mustang Mach-E, this year, which has taken market share from Tesla. The company plans to add an electric delivery van by the end of the year and... Of course, the big one, the electric F-150 Lightning pickup truck next spring. The company said that people and businesses had placed 150,000 reservations for the F-150 Lightning pickup. This is a vehicle that doesn't even exist yet. It's not even on sale yet. And yet they've already uh, got reservations for 150,000 of them. That strong interest persuaded Ford to invest an additional $250 million in their Dearborn, Michigan plant, where the Lightning will be made here in the U.S., uh, increasing potential production and adding already 450 jobs and, of course, pushing them to realize uh, that is their future, which then led to Monday's announcement of this $11 billion investment, four new plants, 11,000 new, hopefully good-paying jobs. Why these people didn't do this long ago, I can't tell you. Ford CEO said our battery electric vehicles, the demand for them and the reaction to them has been incredible. Well, who could have guessed it? <laughs> As noted, a bit more on this particular beat coming up in Desi's uh, latest Green News report. That is next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. <laughs> The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks.
nothing but uh, puppies and butterflies in uh, your latest GNR, Des? We shall see. We shall see. Don't count on it. In our latest Green News report. The storm's 150-mile-an-hour winds wreaked havoc on offshore oil production platforms as well as onshore oil and gas processing plants. Hurricane Ida's destruction caused a record number of oil spills in the Gulf of Mexico. Today's children face more climate disasters than their grandparents, new study warns. Plus, 11 felony charges and 20 misdemeanors. Charges include four homicides. California utility PG&E charged in wildfire that killed four. All of those stories and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. A new report says that animals are shape-shifting in response to the climate crisis. Same here. <laughs> These aren't love handles, okay? Before the sea levels rise, I'm growing my own water wings. <laughs> I know the feeling. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, well, the Republicans in the Senate are trying to destroy the country and the global economy, basically, but they're also screwing over a bunch of natural disaster victims right now. Yes, they are. On Monday, Senate Republicans blocked legislation to suspend the debt ceiling, which pays for spending already incurred, and to keep the government in operation, which also blocked emergency disaster aid for victims of Hurricane Ida. Well done, Republicans. Speaking of Hurricane Ida, NOAA reports that the deadly storm, which made a direct hit on Louisiana and caused billions of dollars in damages, also caused an unprecedented number of oil spills in the Gulf of Mexico. 55, a new record. The new analysis underscores the fragility of the oil industry's aging infrastructure on the Gulf Coast as hurricanes become more intense and extreme due to man-made global warming caused by the oil industry. Ironic, ain't it? Back to Congress, an intense time for President Joe Biden's climate agenda as Democratic congressional leaders work to feverishly forge a path forward with a handful of so-called moderate Democrats on Biden's Build Back Better Act reconciliation package as Republicans throw wrenches into the machinery. The Smog blog reports that the oil industry has launched an all-out pressure campaign to kill off a proposal by congressional Democrats to tax the industry for the first time for its mess. Methane leaks, an extremely powerful greenhouse gas, in order to fund climate programs. And they don't like that for some reason? <laughs> they don't. And it matters, because a new study projects that even if countries fulfill their current pledges to cut greenhouse gas emissions, children born in 2020 will, on average, endure seven times more extreme heat waves and more than twice as many droughts over their lifetimes as their grandparents. Wow. Today's children will also see almost three times as many river floods and crop failures and twice the number of wildfires as people born 60 years ago. Sorry, kids. We tried. And that is on average. Increases in exposure will be much higher in some countries. It's the first research to assess how climate extremes will affect different age groups and highlights the intergenerational injustice posed by the climate crisis. Grim. 
In other news, in Northern California, prosecutors have charged electric utility giant Pacific Gas and Electric with four counts of homicide and multiple other felonies for its role in causing the 2020 Zog fire near Redding, which killed four people and destroyed hundreds of homes. Of course, no one will go to jail. Even if they are found guilty, they have been charged before with manslaughter, and I cannot believe... The state has not taken over PG&E at this point and put them out of our misery. State fire investigators found the Zog fire was sparked by a dying tree that PG&E knew was dangerously close to its transmission lines. Here's Shasta County District Attorney Stephanie Bridget. If you've got a known hazard that sits for two years, it's just not an accident. They knew it was there, they left it, they didn't remove it, and people died. Last year, the company pleaded guilty to 84 counts of manslaughter over a 2018 blaze that destroyed the town of Paradise. Why not? No one's going to jail. But some good news. Good. In Germany, a good sign for climate policy after the country's center-left party, the Social Democrats, narrowly defeating retiring Chancellor Angela Merkel's conservative party in federal elections, with the environmentalist Green Party coming in a very strong third. Here in the U.S., the Biden EPA has issued major rules to cut HFCs, greenhouse gases used in refrigeration that are hundreds of thousands of times more powerful than CO2. The new standards are widely backed by industry and will ultimately cut HFCs by 85 percent over the next 15 years. Finally, Norway has set a national target of 2025 to ban sales of new gasoline and diesel vehicles. But it turns out on its current trajectory, the country is on track to reach 100 percent electric vehicle sales as early as April. Wow. Yes. Well done, Norway. It can be done. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Love so much, let's move to Norway. Yes. We'll be happy beyond the fjords. <laughs> Let's, let's move to Norway. Everybody move. Sounds good. All right. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen, our producer. Thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Hey, while you're there, please consider hitting that donate button or just going straight to bradblog.com slash donate to help us stay on your public airwaves. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. I will see you there. Until we see you here next time, hopefully tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. I love-